I think a little bit of a surprise in the sense that no one could have predicted maybe the way this year has gone with the pandemic. If this year has taught us anything, it's to expect the unexpected and to concentrate on what we control. I think that rings true to all aspects of our lives. Welcome to Connecting the Dots, an original podcast from Jeffries. I'm Shannon Murphy. This is the season for reflecting on the year's winners and losers. And today, we're talking about two of the biggest winners that few could have expected in January. We're talking with two of Jeffrey's top business leaders about what 2020 has meant for their businesses and what this means for the decade ahead. Let's start with one of the biggest surprises of 2020. Not the pandemic, but the resurgence of active management. For the last decade, hedge funds have been somewhat on their back foot, facing challenges from things like the rise of passive management and somewhat muted performance. After dominating headlines in the early 2000s, hedge funds and active management took a backseat as passive funds welcomed billions of dollars in net new inflows. And a lot of experts were wondering if hedge funds would ever regain their footing and start seeing material net new inflows again. Now, they're back. In fact, in 2020, hedge funds took in $12 billion of net new money through the third quarter. These are the biggest inflows we've seen in five years. I spoke with Lior Shapiro, Jeffrey's global head of capital intelligence, about why this happened, and especially why it happened in the middle of a pandemic. We started with what's caused this reversal. So basically, volatility has happened. I think, you know, when the market for a decade is sort of up and to the right, it makes it harder for hedged products to show their value. And then, you know, we get to this year and and obviously we have COVID. You have the March-April drawdown of 30 plus percent and hedge funds protect capital. You know, people forget what happened in years like 2000 or 2009, where, where hedge funds, frankly, outperformed the large drawdowns in the market and active management justified its price you pay for it. And I think we had that again this year and, and even more so highlighted by how well hedge funds have done this year. And so in a year where, where we might have seen if it had continued like the last 10 more flows into ETFs and index products, we've frankly seen a lot more flows into hedge funds, uh, both established and frankly newer hedge funds that are being created. And so it's across the board. Was that something that was expected in terms of flows going into both institutional and mature funds? and emerging managers, or is that something that's been a bit of a surprise as well? I think you could argue both ways. I think a a little bit of a surprise in the sense that no one could have predicted maybe the way this year has gone with the pandemic. (laughs) But but I think you take a look at the numbers, and if you're an investor running an asset management portfolio of, of different investments, you're looking at your hedge funds to dampen your volatility and to protect capital in a situation where there's a massive market drawdown and frankly, hedge funds delivered. And so these hedge funds took in billions and billions of dollars between March and May, let's say. And now kind of we get to the back end of the year and we're seeing a lot of really savvy and sophisticated newer managers coming from a lot of these very established firms, many of the firms that took in a lot of this capital, but almost like they're graduating into starting their own businesses. They've been at very reputable and well-established hedge funds for a number of years, and they're sort of ready to take their shot. And so a lot of interest from that institutional investor community and a lot of these newer launches, as we call them, and frankly, really positive development for the industry as we look at the next decade or so. What do you think we'll be talking about 12 months from now, if we're reflecting on active management and resurgence of particularly the hedge fund industry, what are you going to keep an eye on in the next year? 
So we continue to see a lot of interest in the world of specialization, and, and that can mean a lot of things. But what we continue to predict, and it's something we've been talking about really for three years or so through some of the content we've been producing, but managers that specialize in a certain geography, a certain sector, a certain part of the capital structure, let's say, of a company, more and more, we continue to see demand for those products or niche or uncorrelated products. And, and I expect that to continue. And we look at where we we see capital flowing, where we see new managers emerging. And we, we always talk about the healthcare and the technology space. And those are spaces where there's a lot of dispersion and, and idea generation and, and in performance of companies. And that expertise of those specialists has borne out. And, and a lot of them have outperformed you know, all of the benchmarks that they're competing against and even outperforming many of the managers that you would say are, are more generalist in nature and, and focusing on, on various sectors. So I expect that to continue. I think investors are, are looking at that. And for us, it's an area of focus, but it's driven by demand from investors, and we expect that to continue for the next decade or so or, or more. The global financial crisis of 2008-2009 changed the way that we invested for the last 10 years, and the COVID pandemic will definitely have its own long-term effect. The good news is the habits we're developing now can help us transition out of this crisis into a stronger, more stable market in 2021 and beyond. And my conversation with Lior ended on a really positive note. I do think there is a silver lining in, in this outperformance. And a lot of our hedge fund clients have had very, very good years. That in turn helps a lot of people behind the scenes. And they probably don't get enough credit for that. They probably don't get enough credit for the philanthropic you know, ways that they go about helping people. So I do think there's a lot of silver linings. I, I think it's been a really tough environment. But I think there's a lot to say about the financial services sector overall and that's you know helping companies everything from getting loans to keep employees and employed to, to our side of the business where you know hedge funds hopefully helping a lot of them with their retirement savings let's say and so a lot of silver linings a lot of you know positives coming out of all of this and hopefully it continues but we have a next generation of talented people that can hopefully do this for the next decade in addition to obviously many many you know very well regarded and very established managers that have been doing it for a long time so so overall very positive on, on the space. Thanks, Lior. Lior Shapiro is Jeffrey's global head of capital intelligence. One of the reasons that active management thrived this year is connected to another major winner, the rise of outsourcing. There are plenty of benefits to outsourcing like operational continuity, cost efficiency, access to diverse expertise, and the ability to scale and be nimble across different market cycles. Outsourcing's been on the rise for several years now, especially in the form of outsourced COOs and CFOs. But the trend around outsourced trading accelerated in 2020 in large part as a result of COVID-19. Funds are forced to reevaluate their disaster recovery plans and think about operational continuity from a new perspective. And as employees had to navigate new colleagues in the form of kids, dogs, or other friends and family, Outsourcing took on new importance to ensure agility and endurance throughout the trading day. Here's Jeffrey's global head of outsource trading, Paul Cavello. I think the focus has really shifted to the increased size of the funds that are outsourcing and the type of fund. This business is no longer a hedge fund startup value proposition. We are speaking of funds with billions in AUM, both hedge funds, 40 acts, and even funds with ERISA monies. 
Secondly, the shift has really come about on asset class. We're seeing increased interest in managers looking for outsourced expertise in options, swaps, and even fixed incomes. Third, and above all else, is due to COVID, the rise of managers rethinking their business continuity. And what does business continuity mean this year that might have differed, let's say, from Hurricane Sandy or other kind of big disaster events that maybe were shorter in nature? I think it's just the prolonged effects of the disaster. I believe with COVID, it really showcased the length of time that the potential to be out of the office or to be without infrastructure. And what that really turned into is investors demanding from their portfolio managers to know exactly what plans are in place to avoid any prolonged outages and to make sure that they were continuing to manage money properly and with the proper protocols and safety in mind. So outsourced trading desks have become especially valuable in the time of COVID. But just like the culture around working from home has permanently changed, Paul thinks outsourced trading will remain strong and popular even once a vaccine is widely available, and life goes back to something resembling normal. We continue to field calls from larger clients and continue to believe Wall Street participants embrace an entrepreneurial spirit. So startups will continue to innovate and launch. We also believe that if there's one thing that COVID proved out, it was the ability of an outsourced desk to properly handle and be staffed to handle a larger funds and a hedge funds trading needs. We believe that that equates to more comfort and trust around the industry and see no signs of that slowing anytime soon. When we're thinking about the success of outsourced trading groups, are there any certain characteristics that will make one group stand out or excel over others? Yeah, each firm has a slightly different take on the offering. So it's important for a manager to educate themselves and go with a provider that they trust and that has the infrastructure to handle their needs. I always encourage managers to ask a lot of questions and quite frankly realize that they get what they pay for. Price in and of itself is a very dangerous determination of the trust you need to establish with your provider and also making your fiduciary duties to investors, ensuring that those are being met with the highest standards. So with volatility down and fees compressed, it's also important to ask yourself, what resources do I get for the commission dollars that I'm spending? I finished up by asking Paul what lessons from 2020 he's taking into 2021 and beyond. If this year has taught us anything, it's to expect the unexpected and to concentrate on what we control. I think that rings true to all aspects of our lives. So regardless of the unexpected, we believe that that strategy and mindset will lead us to continued growth and continued client trust. So we try to not spend too much time on thinking about what can derail this, but more on how we can continue to grow our operations and and continue to be a, a stronger part of our clients' needs. Thanks so much, Paul. That's Paul Cavello, Jeffrey's Global Head of Outsource Trading. Ultimately, 2020 and the COVID-19 pandemic were a catalyst for the resurgence of active management and the extremely rapid growth of outsource trading. As Paul said, this year taught us to expect the unexpected 
and we'll continue to track the rise of these trends in the new year and the decade to come. I'm Shannon Murphy, and you've been listening to Connecting the Dots. Next week, we wrap up the season by connecting with our colleague, Cully Davis, to talk about how companies navigated raising capital in an uncertain landscape. Thanks for listening. Important information and additional disclaimers are available at jeffries.com. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or a recommendation from any Jeffries entity to the audience. It's not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or investment. This podcast is being provided strictly for informational purposes only. Any opinion or estimates constitute our best judgment as of the date of the podcast and are subject to change without notice. The information upon which this podcast is based was obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but has not been independently verified and should not be relied upon as an accurate representation of future events. No responsibility is accepted and no representation, undertaking, or warranty is made or given, in either case expressly or impliedly, by Jeffries as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of the information contained herein, or as to the reasonableness of any assumptions on which any of the same is based. Any views or opinions expressed herein are solely those of the individuals identified. Accordingly, neither Jeffries nor any of its officers, directors, employees, or representatives will be liable for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person resulting from the use of the information contained herein, or for any opinions expressed by any such person, or any errors, omissions, or misstatements made by any of them. Jeffries is not an advisor as to legal, tax, accounting, or regulatory matters in any jurisdiction and is not providing advice related to such matters. Listeners of this podcast should take their own independent advice with respect to matters discussed.